My guest today has a story that was way too intriguing to ignore. She found her happiness later in life by leaving what she knew to live out her truth. This former pastor left her leadership position in her church, came out as queer and became a stripper. She also went from dead broke to making seven figures and now teaches classes on everything from sex ed to entrepreneurship. Welcome today, Nicole Mitchell. Hi, Rachel. Thank you so much for having me on. Of course, I couldn't not have you on. I've been stalking you for a while. I think your story is unbelievable and needs to be told to people that like are not living in their purpose and their happiness. I think it's so important. So um, before we kind of get into who you are now, what you're doing, talk to me about you, where you came from, your childhood, your upbringing. How, what, were, what was your childhood like? Yeah, I was raised in a very conservative religious home. I was raised evangelical and very quickly picked up on the messaging that was more caught than taught that uh, girls aspire to be mothers and wives and men aspire to be leaders and have careers and thought that that was the way it was meant to be. So I spent the first 30 years of my life dedicated to that script, being a good girl, eventually a good wife, and then going on to be a good mother and found that in fulfilling the script that was passed down to me in my childhood wasn't all that it was cracked up to be. Wow. So were your parents really religious when you were little? How did they get you into that whole path? Yes, they were raised religious and they were very dedicated. And so we, I grew up in the church. I was at the church three times a week. It's where all my friends were. It's where all my parents' friends were. And very close knit. It's the air I breathed. It was the water I swam in. It was my entire world for most of my life. And what was your first like foray into your sexual experience, your first boyfriends? Like, how did that go? So I've always been super sexual and I have all these memories from my childhood where like, you know, I was little, like maybe five, six or seven when I was caught touching myself and I was shamed for it. And I quickly learned like, oh, this must be bad. I must keep this a secret. Um, I remember in middle school confessing to my girlfriends that I wanted to be a stripper when I grew up thinking everyone wants to be a stripper. And the looks they gave on their faces were like, oh, this is also something I'm supposed to keep a secret. So all these desires were there. And then in high school, I would joke that I was one big hormone with two little feet running around. Like I craved sex, but I was also terrified of it because I was taught if I had sex, I would lose all my value. Bad things would happen. I'd probably get pregnant and I'd get STIs. And so I just live this weird duality of like, I want it so bad. And yet I'm so terrified to go have it. Right, right. So how old were you when you met your husband? I was in my early 20s. I was actually living in South Korea, working at a Christian international school as a high school teacher. And um, he was out there teaching at Korean schools. And we met and I felt like when I met him, I was like, I have finally arrived um, because I've been taught my whole life that my pinnacle was to find a man of God and marry him and settle down. So was he the first guy you ever had sex with or had you been sexually active? No. So I had sex in high school. It was all just so bad and lame, I think, which is probably normal, but it was even more bad and lame because I felt so much guilt over it that I would never advocate for myself. I never used protection because to use protection was to premeditate. You are planning on sinning. That's even more worse than the sin. It was like the double combo. So I'm like, well, if it accidentally happens, at least I can say I didn't plan on it, you know? And so like, it was just bad through and through and carried so much guilt and shame about my future marriage, my future husband, my value as a woman. And yet it, it was still something I craved. 
Right. So you went to Bible college, you were accepted into seminary. What was the lesson that they taught you? What did they teach you about LGBTQ, about um, marriage, about all that stuff? Yeah. Like, again, I just like drank the, the Kool-Aid. Like I believed everything they told me and I aspired to become everything they told me I was meant to be, which was a good wife and mother. So in Bible college, even there though, at this very conservative Bible college that my male professors of a Bible all noticed this like leadership skill I had. And they're the ones who encouraged me to go to seminary, which I wanted. I love learning. I'm, I'm kind of a nerd and I love speaking and I love impacting people's lives. But I even knew by admit, like by go, applying to seminary, I would only ever be able to teach Sunday school because as a woman, I'm not allowed to teach men. And so there was like this sadness in the midst of my excitement, like, oh, yes, I'm finally being recognized for my skill. And I'm so sad that I can use it only in such a small niche way and not at the scale that I wanted to. Mm -hmm. And they... Obviously, family was a big part of what they taught and being with just one man and being heterosexual, right? I'm assuming I don't go to church. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're lucky. Um, yes. <laughs> where I, I was raised in a very homophobic culture and it never resonated with me. I'm just a very loving person. So even though I was taught that quote unquote gay is being wrong, I've always just loved everyone. And I was first exposed to queer people when I was in high school. I went to, it was my ninth school by my ninth grade. We moved a lot growing up. And it was my first public exposure to queer, openly queer people. And they were my favorite. They were the most loving, the most fun, the most inclusive. I remember begging to be gay because they, they, they represented who I wanted to be. And so I saw firsthand that what I was taught about them was not real that they're wrong and horrible and evil. And so even though my head knew what my church taught, my heart knew that it wasn't ultimately true. Mm -hmm. And when did you get to a point that you started to question your own sexuality? The signs were always there. Like looking back, I like, I grieve the childhood I could have had. I grieve the experiences I could have had, but I didn't fully uh, realize it until 2016. I was in my early, mid, early thirties. And it hit me and like, oh, all that attraction to women, all that attraction to queer people wasn't just because I'm a loving person. It's like, I'm not straight. And that terrified me because my whole identity was wrapped around being straight. I have to be straight because I'm married to a man. I had three kids with him at that point, you know, fulfilling my biblical duties. And now I'm like, if I don't even know my own sexuality, what else do I think I know that I'm completely wrong on? And that was the catalyst where I begin to question everything in my life. Mm -hmm. And you use the word queer. I, can you explain to people that are listening the difference between being lesbian or being bisexual and queer, just to, so we all get that straight? Totally. And I love that you asked that, Rachel, because queer does mean different for every person. And so when I first realized my queerness, I didn't know what I was. I just knew I wasn't straight. So I'm like, am I bi? Am I gay? I don't even know. And over time, I realized like the term that I most identify with is pansexual. Okay. Because I'm attracted to all kinds of genders. I'm attracted to all kinds of orientations. Um, bisexual also applies. The reason I don't use it as much is that people tend to assume like, oh, you're into femme women and masculine men. I'm into all of that. And also the opposite. I love femme men and I love masculine women. I love trans people. So I typically use queer just because it's more inclusive. And then it causes that lean in moment. Like, what do you mean by that? And I can finally explain what that means for me. 
Yeah. And pansexual, just to really get into the details, is that specifically that you can be attracted to men or women, but it's based on the personality and the person you're falling in love with, right? Yeah. Pan, yeah. Pan just means across. Okay. So it's across the spectrum. So all kind. you're different genders and different orientations. We are, we are typically, I'm like, we're the most open. <laughs> we love all the humans. So you yeah. find someone who you just love who they are, regardless of their sex. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm personally attracted to whatever genitals you have. I'm just like, give it to me. (laughs) I will about it to you. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That's so funny. Okay. So you you mentioned how you had three kids. Now at this point, did you send them to church? They must've been heavily involved at some point in that lifestyle. Yes. All their friends were from church, right? Like I was raising them the way I was raised and I was getting more and more involved in the leadership of my church. I finally found a church in my late twenties that taught equality between the genders, radical concept, you know? And I was like, so excited that women were considered equals. And so they started, they started seeing my speaking ability and I started speaking more in my church and my kids were super involved. So eventually when I walked away from it all, that was one of the biggest things I had guilt with for about up to two years. Like, did I make the right decision? Are my kids going to resent me someday that I took them from their friends? That I took them from their community. What if I'm wrong? What if all this is real, real and true and I'm completely defaulting and messed up? Um, but that was part of the journey of me coming home to myself and finding what was actually true for me and wasn't just fear-based. But did they express that they really liked it? I mean, I know when I was little, my mom forced me to go to church and it had the opposite effect that when I got to be able to not even make my own decisions. I'm not talking about when I'm 18, but when I was like nine, 10, 11, I resented hate. I resented going to church and I never wanted to go. I always fought it. I didn't like being there. And now to this day, it affects how I feel about it. I only will go on holidays. I mean, I love the idea of it, but being there was so forced on me that it was hard to maintain. Absolutely. I think my kids were a little too young. Um, They loved it. They were two, four and seven when I left, when I took them out of it. So young enough to still want it and miss it. And for me to feel bad about it, I think if they had been a little bit older, like you, I'm like, I hate going, I would feel, I would have felt relieved. Um, But I felt guilt about it because they loved it so much. So tell people, let's establish a picture here of where you were at when you had this turning point. I mean, you had, you were in a position of leadership in your church, right? Like tell us who, what kind of a person you were before you turned? Yeah. So this was in 2016 when I'm like the most active in my church, I'm now preaching and leading and speaking. And it's like, I finally reached this pinnacle that I wanted to like, I'm married to a man. We have three babies. My leadership is taken seriously. And I'm just like, I reached it. And yet I was getting really disillusioned with the church because they were, they're, you know, they're, they're homophobic. Um, so I, my, my queerness was secret Um, they were censoring me more and more and controlling me more and more because they didn't like that a woman was in power. I think they liked to use me as a token, but not as a real representation and equality in the church. Um, And once I realized that I I was wrong in my sexuality, I was like, there's probably a lot more else I'm wrong on. And so I was just in the storm of emotion. Do I stay and pretend like I'm happy? And for the, the meager results, which I'm getting, which is very little to no pay at my church and like having to hide my sexuality and pretend like everything's together when everything's fun apart, or do I just leave it all, walk away and just, and just discover who am I really underneath it all without the fear, without the censorship, without the strict gender roles that I have to play, who is Nicole really? And I decided to go for the latter, to walk away and leave and find out my truth. 
So that's so interesting because you're talking about like this job and identity that you had within, you know, people looking at you, but how did that affect your relationship with your husband? Did you start to stray? Did it, what happened when you told him about this? Did he have a feeling coming up, you know, with you telling him? Yeah. What, what was so interesting back then is, um, I knew the one person I wasn't afraid to tell was my then husband. Um, cause he's always back then he was always my biggest champion and believer. And so when I came out to him as queer, I was like, we were in the kitchen. I'm like, Hey babe, I have something interesting to tell you. And I'm like nervous. He's like, yeah, what's up? And I'm like, um, I don't think I'm straight. And he's like, Oh, tell me more. Just this really soft, safe presence. And I start explaining how he's realizing, you know, those feelings I have. And I start crying. So I'm scared and like, and, and I'm finding myself and he's like, came and pulled me in his arms. And he's like, I think that's amazing. I think that's natural. I think that's normal. I'm so excited for you and always advocated for me to like be free and to honor my desires and to go after what I want. And, and yet I was terrified because I'm like, but what if my desires cost me my marriage? And so I didn't know what to do because I had no intention of leaving that marriage um, but I also had never discovered the side of myself and I was trying to figure out how to walk that road. So, okay. Let me just think about how most men would handle that conversation. They would either be like, <laughs> great. My wife wants to have a threesome and I get to now, you know, fuck other women. Or, you know, I think a lot of men would probably get threatened and jealous and be like, well, you can't be with anyone else. So yeah. was he telling you, you could be in an open marriage and you could try things out with women? Like what? What were you actually doing at that point? Yeah. So at that point, he wanted me to go out and explore, not involve him. He's like, you just, you never got to have those experiences. I would never want like our marriage to hold you back. So like go have experiences with women. And I was like terrified because I'm like, what if it, what if it, I love it. And it makes me want to leave it. I, I just was so afraid of my own body, my own pleasure, my own wants, my own desire that I was like, no way, no way would I ever jeopardize our marriage over this. Like you, that is crazy. And then I remember like months later, I ended up going to this conference and I made out with several women and it was like amazing. It wasn't like, oh, I'm gay, but it was amazing. Um, and then I came back home and told him and it, he was triggered, even though he'd been telling me for months to go do it. When it came to reality, it's actually really hard for him. And I was like, oh. So then I pushed it all back away again. It's like, I'm not willing to lose our marriage over this mm -hmm. um, and kind of stuffed it back down. Even though it's now publicly out as queer, there really wasn't much I could do about it. And how was your sex life with him at the time? If you had asked me back then, I would have bragged it up. Um, I've been taught in the church to always highlight the good, downplay the bad. Um, that's what a good wife does. But in my um, 12 years with him, I was never given an orgasm. And I am very sexual. Like I could easily have sex every day. And so to have that long of a period where I'm not given an orgasm and I'm not being prioritized, um, it was not, it was not great. And I, um, I'm sad that I settled for so little for so long. But do you think it was because you didn't know any different or like, why do you feel like you settled for so long? So there's a couple of reasons. So because of the, my upbringing, I was never taught consent, for example. So in the first five years of my marriage, I didn't even know consent was a thing. I didn't know I was allowed to say no. And because I've been taught as a girl growing up, it is my job to satisfy your man, which makes me so angry now. Um, but I did that. So for the first five years, I never said no, even when I was screaming no inside, because like, 
I just thought I was taught I couldn't. And so once I learned later that my girlfriends were saying no to their husbands all the time, I was like, what? And I was so mad. How could I not be taught this, that I had agency over my own body? And like, and so I started saying no more and more. Um, and also trying to be the good wife and trying to honor my body. And it was just kind of a miserable state where I really didn't know how to advocate within a marriage where I was bound to fulfill my husband's needs. Mm -hmm. And when you were going out and meeting these other women, was it mainly, you know, physical or like what would happen if you would get feelings for another woman? Did that ever happen? It didn't. Well, no, I take that back. I'm like it didn't, but yeah, there was someone I, I had a crush on for sure. And we were talking daily and my then husband knew about it and he, and he was kind of triggered, but trying to be supportive. And I was the same way I was scared, but also trying to be open and like, just, and it was long distance, which felt safe for me. Like I'm like, cause nothing can physically happen. I'm just trying to feel into these feelings and it only lasted a couple months. And we became like friends after that. And it was like all fine. But I realized like, maybe there is more going on here. Maybe there's more out there for me. And the last couple of years of our marriage, I was so sexually starved and so sexually charged at the same time that I swore I was polyamorous. I'm like, I can have relationships with multiple people. And I started reading books about it. I started educating my husband on it. And he was trying to be open, but it really terrified him. It terrified me, but I was finally getting to a point where I was learning to like advocate for myself for the first time and like speak what I want into existence and become educated and learn my options and trying to bring my husband along with it. Um, and then we, we, I feel like when I describe my marriage, he was always really liberal. I was really conservative when we met and we were coming together and I thought we were going parallel. We actually did this. I went on to be very open and liberal and he went on to go become very conservative and religious and we flip-flopped. Right, right. So ultimately it did not work out and you guys had to get a divorce. Mm -hmm. And yeah. was that after you left the church and all of that behind or was that during that process? No, I left the church in 2017 and then we became one of the pand pandemic couples. So we got divorced in 2020. Got it. Okay. So now spool back for a second and talk about what steps you actually took to leave that former life behind and start a new one. Yeah. So one of the things is I like literally preached one Sunday or Saturday and Sunday, we had three services. It was a mega church. And then when I walked out that Sunday, I knew I was never coming back and I didn't tell anyone I was so done. I was so burned. I had been so damaged through the process of working there that I knew they wouldn't care if I told them anyway. So I just walked and left everything in 2017 um and like just kind of went on this journey of unpacking theology and unpacking sexuality and unpacking the indoctrination I grew up in like I was like I had to leave it all and so then finally in 2019 I was like I literally need to like leave so I was living in Minnesota at this time and we packed up and moved to California so I'm like I need a fresh slate where no one knows anything about me and I can be whoever I say I am. And that's what it required for me. I think if I had stayed where I was, it would have been a lot harder because people would have tried to have kept me in that box I'd always been in. But coming out here where no one knew anything about me was such a chance for like fresh air, a fresh start, and be really intentional about who I am in front of other people. Right, so you could start kind of completely a whole new life. Okay, so what is your actual job now or what did you first go into you you're a stripper you're an only fans creator um you're a teacher of this educational stuff with sex ed T tell me exactly how you would define yourself yeah so i'm a life coach and an adult content creator so i left everything in 2017 
Um, I found that life coaching completely changed my life. I hired my first life coach in 2017 to figure out who am I, what am I, and what is my purpose. Started my own life coaching business in 2018 and started helping people and come home to the power and start living their truth. And it was so invigorating and intoxicating to like find personal power because in my church, I've been taught you have no power. You have to rely on your husband, your pastor and God don't ever stand on your own two feet. And so it's helping my clients stand on their two feet, declare the life they want to live and go after it. And during that time, when I left everything, like all these sexual desires that I had suppressed my whole life just came raging to the surface. Like I was starving to express myself sexually. And when I learned about OnlyFans, I was like, oh my gosh, there's an actual platform where I, from the comfort of my own home, can post these sexy photos I've taken of myself in the past five years. Like my best friend back then would always take naked photos of me. Like it's always been there. I always hide them on my phone. They weren't even for my husband. They were for me. Mm -hmm. I love them. I thought they were gorgeous. They were beautiful. They're essential. And I so badly wanted the world to see them, but Facebook won't let you and Instagram won't let you. So when I learned about OnlyFans. I was like, this is it. This is my, this is my outlet. But it took me about a year to like work through my fears. What do I do if my children find out? What do I do when my parents find out? What will this do to my clients? Will my life coaching clients be like, I can't take you seriously. Like I had to work through all of the fear that came with that. And then finally in 2019, I like felt really clean and clear about it. And I launched it that year and I loved it. Wow. That's such an amazing story. So the people you were life coaching for, it was not about anything sexual, it was not that storyline. It was just about how to be a better person, find your purpose, your happiness. Um, and internally you were wanting to do more sexually, but okay. So the OnlyFans is what brought you to that pinnacle. Yeah. Um, now talk to people about OnlyFans. Cause I think, I mean, I've talked to a number of different people cause I feel like a lot of people have OnlyFans. Um, and so many people are interested in getting started in it, but are so confused by it because number one, it deals with content that they don't know that they're ready to put out. They're scared of like this coming undone or this coming out, so to speak. And then also, how do you even find people to be watching you? I mean, it's like twofold, right? How did you get your, your viewers? Yeah, so OnlyFans, I think the best way to think of it is just like any other social media platform. It's just a place for you to make it whatever you wanna be. So it could be just equal to you creating a second Instagram account where it is solely just for you to practice taking up space. So whether it's you taking up space sexually, you taking up space, like speaking your truth and not censoring it, like you have to in front of your family and friends or being the professional version of you when everyone just sees you as the goofy version of you. Like it's just another chance or outlet. It's like, who do you want to be? How do you want to be seen? So when I started it, I didn't tell anyone. It's just for me. What does it feel like for me to post sexy photos of myself on this platform? And of course, I was scared. I was also kind of excited. And I kind of like that feeling of like I was on the edge of something. And then when people started subscribing and paying me money, I was scared by that too. Because I'm like, oh my gosh, what are they going to think? And what are they going to say? And also, oh, I, I love getting paid for this. Like this is a win-win. Right. I would post this stuff for free. I love it that much. But if you, if you want to pay me and tip me, like... Yes, please. So it really started for me as a place to just practice taking up space and being seen and feeling safe, being sensual. So I was very mild, very PG, like always wearing lingerie or always having everything covered. I was just practicing. And when people were like, hey, spread your legs and show me, baby. I would be like, thank you so much for asking. I'm not there yet. But if you're willing to stick around, you'll see, I, you'll join me in my own evolution. And I think that's part of what built a loyal following is like, I didn't come on here. It was like, here it is, eat it. It's like, 
hey guys, I'm, I'm going to try this. I'm kind of nervous. They've seen me unfold and evolve in real time. And that's kind of rare. Like if you go to Pornhub, you just get porn, but you don't see a woman's evolution in real time. And it's really authentic. And I think it's part of what makes it so magnetic. So what I eventually did after I started it, I did make a post on social media saying, I'm now doing this thing. I'm excited. I love it. If it offends you and bothers you, please unfriend me and unfollow me now. If you're inspired by it and you want to like see what the journey is all about, you're welcome to join along. But moving forward, this is what I'm doing. And like, I'm making peace with it. Don't bring your issues to me here. Um, and then I got really good at getting media because like you said, if you don't get exposure, no one can find you. This is true for OnlyFans. It's true for your business. This is true for finding clients. If people can't find you, they can't pay you. So I've gotten really good at getting press to like, let people know I'm out here if they would like to follow me on OnlyFans. So you said something that was really interesting. You said you were nervous to start because of what your kids might think, your family, your clients. What was the reaction of everybody after you started and kind of it became known you were doing this? Yeah, my family was horrified, right? Like it was like I'd gone off the deep end and lost all sense of direction and lost sense of who I am. And I totally lost and wrong and um, it was heartbreaking for them. And I understand because of the beliefs they hold. I used to hold those beliefs. I would have thought the same thing 10 years ago. Um, and so I really had to stand on my own two feet and trust that I was making the right decision because there was so much feedback about how I, I had lost it and I was wrong and I was ruining everything. I was ruining the reputation of Jesus. I was ruining my marriage. I was ruining my kids' futures. Um, my kids were young enough to where like they didn't know. They were pretty small then. Um, but I'm, you know, I've gotten a lot of press and there's my stories ever on the internet. My kids are on the internet. So we have lots of conversations about it. They don't know the details, but they know I'm an, a, a model. I do lingerie nude shoots and they see my toys and they're just like, that's weird. Like they, it's not like this, like horrible thing. It's like, that's weird. And I'm like, yeah, I used to think that when I was a kid too. And you know, when you get older, you'll learn that adults do adult things and kids do kid things. And this is just for adults. And that's fine if you think it's weird. Like, okay. It's not I think a lot of no the big deal that people thought it would be. Yeah. I think a lot of kids think their parents are weird no matter what it is, even if it has nothing to do yes. with sex toys. So my daughter tells me I'm weird all the time, anyways, too. So I don't think it matters. Um <laughs> So That's I've true. seen your social media and, and we'll, uh, people should take a look at it, but explain the difference between what you put out on your social media and your Instagram and then what's different about them, what they can pay for, because the stuff on your social media is a little risky and erotic, right? Yes. Yeah. I, I love giving like little teasers on my social media, especially Instagram. I love, I love being sexy and I love being sensual. And if I can capture that in a photo or video, I want to share that with the world. Um, but when you subscribe to my OnlyFans, it's, I go, I make explicit content. I make um, girl, girl content. I've made some um, boy, girl content. I make a lot of solo content. Um, and you also, beyond that, you also get to know more about me and my personal life that you would never know on social media. So that's why I also love this platform. It's not just so I can spread my legs. It's also so I can share my heart. And so my fans know about my kids and they know about my dreams. They know about my interviews and they're so supportive. They're like, tell me as soon as your episode drops, we're like, oh, your kid's birthday's coming up. I'm mailing gifts. So my kids get gifts in the mail for my fans. Like, it's very communal and it's so unique because in most adult spaces, it's just for sex. It's just for porn. 
But in my faith, like, let's talk about your kids and your kinks. Let's talk about your fears and your fetishes. And that is, I think, so nurturing and fulfilling to their whole person that it just keeps drawing people in. So how often do you have to work, quote unquote, put out new content, make videos? Like what, what is the week in the life or day in the life? Yeah. So I produce a lot of content. I've gotten really good. I've been doing this for three and a half years. I'm really good on capitalizing on opportunities. My selfie or my tripod stick is with me everywhere I go. Um, And so I post every single day on OnlyFans. I um, am in the DMs every day on OnlyFans. I sell videos every Tuesday and Friday. I do three live streams every month. Um, I sell one-on-one calls. People can do one-on-one Zoom calls with me. Um, and in the beginning it was overwhelming because you're trying to juggle and you're trying to figure out now I've done it long enough. I have a system and it feels really easy. I have a lot of time cause I, I can schedule out my posts for the day. So I don't have to be there live. I can schedule out when I send out a DM or a video I'm selling. And then I usually, when I make content, it's usually like one batch. I can make a ton on this day. So I don't have to make any for two weeks. Um, right. so there's, it provides a lot of time and space freedom in my life. And you've openly talked about the fact that at one point in your life, you were basically broke and living off of food stamps. And now you've gone into making over seven figures. How, how do you actually make money doing this? So yeah, this is one stream of income where a big chunk just comes in subscriptions because they have to pay for mine. You can create a free one. I have a subscription based one. So they have to pay my monthly fee of $15 Um, When you buy any of my videos on Tuesday and Friday, whenever you buy my panties, when you book a one-on-one call with me, um, when I do my live streams, they tip me. I do a monthly campaign. It's like a fun game activity we play that raises money. So they're tipping me during the game. There's so many ways that you can make money on that platform, um, which I teach inside my OnlyFans training because I get that question a lot. How, Nicole, how do you make money on there? There's so many ways, but it just starts with you starting. If you can just start it, you'll eventually tack on all the ways you can make more money on there. Right, right. So um, explain to people what you think is the best, like what are the best pieces of content to put out or what works and what doesn't work? Honestly, it is like, what is authentic to you? I'll, I'll have women come to me like, okay, so I have to show my pussy right away, right, Nicole, to make money. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> like, if that's what you want to do, yes. But that that's actually not what you want. don't want to do. No. My fans are very protective of me throughout my whole journey. Like when I was trying new things, they'd always say, don't rush. Move at your pace. We're fine. We're we're waiting. Like, we'll never pressure you. And I, I love that. And then when I would try these new things, they would just celebrate me. Like, how do you feel? Do, do you think you'll keep doing that? Do you think you won't keep doing that? Like, so genuinely... Um, caring about my feelings about it all. That's what makes it so magnetic. I'm not just like, here guys, take it. I think it honestly a little shocked. Like, whoa, that's not you. Why are you doing that, Nicole? So if you can be authentic about what your boundaries are and you have to be really honest, like don't be wishy-washy. They actually admire you more when you walk in your boundaries than when you try to pretend like you'll do more than you actually will. They actually respect that because now they know what to expect. They can see you when you start growing past that edge and then they get to celebrate you in that growth. Right. So I've been on your website and you teach actual classes or have workshops, right? Talk a little bit about what you do there and what your message is in general through your teaching. So through all, yeah, through all this, I'm still a life coach. And I, you know, I was afraid of losing clients, losing business. And now 
people hire me mostly because I have an OnlyFans and because I've gone from food stamps to seven figures. So like, how do I be seen and feel safe in my body? And how do I make a shit ton of money? That's what people hire me for. So I have like my signature money program, which is become a money magnet. I have absolute confidence masterclass, which is like, how do you have confidence? How do you show up in your truth and your power and your body and your sensuality when the whole world is telling you to shrink and, and be quiet? Um, I have a sexy and free program, which is my signature embodiment program. What's it like to live in a body and feel safe in it? feel sexy with it and to express it in a way that feels amazing and you feel safe. So I have over a dozen courses and I'm currently teaching a parenting course. Like people are asking, how do you raise kids? How do you talk about sex? How do you talk to them about your work? How do you help them handle bullying? How do you raise kids to like be good with money? And so that's now what I'm currently teaching and I love it. So you, I saw that you have a sex ed live stream every month. And at one point, like one month was about deep throating. The other month was about sex clubs. So talk to me about that for a second. Cause when I saw that, I was like, wait a minute, how does she teach about deep throating to all these people? Give us some tips on that. Nicole. <laughs> yes. So I just like my OnlyFans and that's why I love it. It's so holistic. It's not just like porn. It's like, I actually want to educate and I want to connect and I want us to learn together. So I, every month I host a sex ed live stream on there and I pick a topic that typically is something I'm currently learning or going through. So again, so authentic and they're like, tell us more. So I've gone to some sex clubs recently. So my one was like all about sex clubs and here's what I've learned and here's my tips and here's what I didn't like. And like, they just eat it up because a lot of these people haven't themselves given give themselves permission to try these things deep throating. So I'm like, I find it super hot when you can, when, when I watch a woman deep throat online, I'm like, Oh my God, that is goals for me. But I can do that. I want to do that. So I started researching it. I took a deep throating class online. What? I'm like watching these videos. I'm like practicing at home with my, my toys. And like, I'm practicing on people. And it's just like, Oh my God, I love this. And so this, I bring this conversation and people like, like you said, tell me more, but it all starts from like, honoring your desires. I don't deep throat because I'm a woman. I'm supposed to, ew, I deep throat because I, it turns me on. So I only do what lights me up. So that like grosses you out and you have no interest. Don't do it. Like just honor where you're at, glean the information that's going to help you tune in on doing it well, doing it safely, doing it consensually. And you'll have a pretty amazing experience with it. What consequences have come with this choice? that you've made? Oh, I love that question, Rachel. Um, I've lost all three of my best friends. I've lost my entire family. Um, have probably been my biggest losses and I've cried many, many tears over it. I don't regret it. It was worth it. Like if me being me costs people who love me, then I don't know if like if that's real love, if you can only love me when I'm who you need me to be and not who I actually am, I don't know if I want that love in my life. Even though I grieve their abs I grieve their absence. I miss them. Um, starting over in your mid-30s with people who don't know anything about you is beautiful, but also like there's no history there. There's no like who can I call with this little thing? Oh, wait, I can't call that friend. Um, so I've had to start over and find new friends and it's really slow, especially here in Orange County. Um, it's very conservative here. And so people love me. And then when they find out what I do, um, good chunk of them ghost me. And as a very sensitive and loving person, it's really hard for me. So that's definitely some of the flip side of the work that I do.
And what's been the best thing about changing your life? Oh my God, I'm so happy. Rachel, I'm so happy like to live life on my terms, to know who I am, to know what I want, to be good at it. To, like I've become such a savvy businesswoman, little Nicole who couldn't rub $2 together, who'd been taught her entire life to depend on a man as a single mother of three, providing for her family in California, crushing it, loving it, public about it, shameless about it. That you can't put a price tag on. And that has been worth the entire journey. I think it's such a universal theme that people live in their past and are stuck in the guilt or stuck in the shame for whatever they're going through. It's such a good lesson that if you find your purpose in your path, you can kind of get out of that. And as long as you own it and are happy with it, like you can shed all of that fear and judgment and, you know, and you can find your new friends too, I'm assuming. 100%. Yes. And what is your dating life like now? Have you fallen in love with anybody? Yeah. So after I got divorced, I went through what I called my slut phase. I just was like so hungry. I just fucked everyone. I'm like, I just need, I just need the feeling of being well fucked and fucked often. And like, just went after it. And I actively was trying to find women actually too. I had women on my date. Like I, I'm open to them on dating apps. But it's funny, it's like when you come out later in life, you kind of hit through a second puberty. So with boys or men, I'm like, I'm so good. I know what I'm doing. I know how to land any guy. But as soon as a woman would slide him into my DMs, I'm like, ah, uh, ah, uh, what do I, what do I say? What do I do? What if I like scare her away? And like, and I could not land a woman to save my life. I could score all the men. And it took me about two, over two years after getting divorced before I finally found my groove. And I feel really confident with women. And I'm like, come here, honey, let me ravish you. Um, and it was amazing. It was so healing to just like honor my desires on my timeline. I didn't have to run it by anyone. I didn't have to get it approved by anyone. It's like, you want this, Nicole? Yes, go. You don't want this, Nicole? Don't stop. Like, that's what I want for every human. And especially for those of us who come out as queer later in life to have the chance to discover and explore and experiment without the rules and the balance that have been put on us our whole lives. What is your thought now about God? I think there's probably some entity out there, whether it's God, it's loving intelligence, it's my highest and best self. I do feel like I co-create with something um, and I love it. I love the mystery, but I don't hold to it too tightly after realizing I used to have all these beliefs I was so thought about and now I don't think any of them are true. I hold all my new beliefs pretty loosely and it feels, it feels good. If you weren't doing this job, what do you think you would be doing? I would be an actress in Hollywood. I've always wanted to be a star and be on the big screen. And even when I first moved here three years ago, I was taking acting classes at a Hollywood coach. And um, But then when my story went viral, I realized, I don't think I want to star as somebody else. I think mm -hmm. I like being the star of my own life. And so then I really poured it into myself and stopped my acting classes. But if I wasn't being the star of my own story, I would definitely be on the big screen. That makes so much sense though, because you are doing the same kind of thing, making your own content, being the star in your story. I love that. So tell people where they can find you if they want to sign up for a class, share all the links right now. Yeah, you can find all my links on my website, nicolemitchell.com. My name's spelled the K N I K O L E. You can check out all my digital courses as a life coach. You can check out my social media. You can check out my OnlyFans. Um, you'll see that you can work with me one-on-one, -on -one, lots of ways to connect, and I'm happy to connect.
And do you read all your DMs if people are messaging you or do you read the comments? I do. So I run all my social media. It's a little insane. I, I'm at a point where I should have someone do it, but I'm so protective of my people. So I'm run, I'm in my DMs every day on social media. Um, I do have a few Instagram accounts. You're just going to use my main account, which is my biggest one. I'm in there every day, checking the comments, checking the DMs. I'm in my email inbox. It might take me a few days to get back to you, but I will always respond. And my last question is, where do you see yourself in five years? Is there something on your bucket list you really want to attain or do? Yes. So I'm in the process of building my global empire. Rachel, I'm taking over the world. So like what I want to have in the future, it's like, I want to have a lingerie line. I want a sex toy line. I want my own TV show. I want my own fashion line. Like I am just getting started. And I even wrote about this on social media last week where I said, I could stop right now and just maintain what I'm doing and live a really comfortable life. But I am designed for so much more. And this is just me cracking the tip of the iceberg. And I cannot wait to see what the future holds. Well, your story is so inspiring. I wish you the best of luck. I will make sure I check in and go on the journey with you. And I hope everyone else does too. Thank you so much, Nicole. Thank you, Rachel.